Hey, welcome back to another episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, my name is Jeremiah, and I have two returning guests, and I cannot wait to start this conversation. First, I've got Curtis, who's returning. Hello, Curtis. Hello. And we have the esteemable, is that the right word I want to use? Matt Wilson from Privateer Press. Hello, Matt. Hi, Jeremiah. Hi, Curtis. Hey. It's good to have you on. Uh, the last time we had you on was episode 39. And, uh, and so a lot has changed in, in our lives as, uh, as gamers and in the real world as well. And, uh, and so I'm so excited to have you on and, uh, and just to pick up the conversation kind of where we left off before. That's but, great. Yeah. So um, we're having you on because uh, one of the, the biggest things that happened in, in our hobby is the announcement of uh, Mark IV. And so there's been a lot of stuff about it, a lot of videos being made and posts being read and written about and all kinds of things. And so to have you here to be able to talk about it, uh, it, it makes me really happy. And so uh, I just want to start with that, if that's okay. So yeah, my first question is, so what is Mark IV and why am I excited to play it? <laughs> I think you should you should tell me why you're excited to play it, but I'll tell you what Mark IV is and why I'm excited about it. Yeah, let's do um, that. We'll trade stories. Mark Mark IV is the fourth edition of uh, the War Machine tabletop miniatures game. We've been making War Machines since 2000, so this is actually the 20 year anniversary of. Uh, sorry, let me back up. We've been making War Machines since 2002. So that makes this the 20 year anniversary of uh, of War Machine. It actually it actually came out officially in stores in 2003. But the first time we ever debuted it was at Gen Con in 2002. And we just went there with um, a couple little uh, battle groups, a Signar and a Protectorate battle group. I can't remember how many we had, maybe like 100 of them that we managed to cast up before the show. And we sold them all out there. And it was great. And then um, and we were demoing the game and showing people how to play. And then uh, I think we got home after Gen Con and Jason and I rewrote the entire game from pretty much the ground up <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, redid it. And, um, and then it was published, I believe, March of 2003, the book came out and the actual uh, first uh, starters. So Mark four is kind of in a way, a little bit of a return to our roots. We, um, we went mm. to Gen Con this year. We uh, debuted a couple little battle groups, the Orgos Sea Raiders and the Signar Storm Legion. And, and, uh, and it was kind of like, um, you know, back then in the old days, 20 years ago when we showed it off for the first time. And then, uh, in a few months, a couple months, actually about eight weeks, I think <laughs> a little bit more, um, we're supposed to be shipping the, uh, the first two starters, um, for the game. Nice. So, so this is a, a relaunch of War Machine, um, you know, as any new edition is for, uh, for a game that's had a long lifespan. Um, it is very much the war machine that people know in terms of how it plays and um, you know the the spirit yeah. of the game. There are notable changes. Um, I'm not the best person to uh, to talk about rules, but you know we've done a few things that um, basically filed down friction points, make the game just a little bit faster, reduce yeah. the cognitive load while you're playing, um, and uh, and you know hopefully just make it a, a more enjoyable. Uh, gaming experience overall. Um, 
And we've done a number of, of different things with how we're going to present the game, um, how it's going to be packaged, how it's going to be sold. Uh, you know, we're not doing the little battle group starters anymore, where then you build up yeah. the army. Um, we are, we're, our initial starters are going to be um, full 50 point games, uh, sorry, full 50 point armies. Um, so you can play a um, that sort of minimum game size. It's about 22 models in the starter. Um, and there won't be any print media for um, for Mark IV. Everything that you're going to need to play the game, from the rules to the stat cards and anything else, um, is all going to be in the free-to-download War Machine app that will launch in beta um, alongside the, the release of the two starters that will be shipping to retail in October. Um, what else? There's so much. Um, we have changed our production process for miniatures. You know, we've we've always manufactured, well, we've almost always manufactured most of our models. Um, there were times when we outsourced early on before we built a factory. And mm -hmm. um, over the past 20 years, we've also uh, done some overseas production for plastic model kits. But we we like doing everything in-house. We like having that level of control over the, the quality of the products. And so for the fourth edition of Mark IV, sorry, the fourth edition of War Machine, <laughs> words aren't my friend today. Um, uh, we are going to be producing everything with 3D printed resin. And um, and so this is really a new era for our manufacturing that we're super excited about. We've been um, building out our, our print farm facility for a while. And uh, it's the reason for it is it's it's addressing a number of problems and i've yeah. i've talked about all of this in our um you know in our announcement and through various right. articles online so i i won't go too deep into it um i'll stick to why i'm excited about it but the uh the the exciting thing about the the 3d printed resin is it lets us make shapes um and pieces that we that are really not possible to make um through any other production method without either a, a very significant expense or adding mm. a lot more pieces and complexity to the to the final model kit you know yeah it's weird but just to get a hole you know in the right place means that um that you either have to have a super complex mold that uh that can be very expensive to tool or um you have to make you know multiple pieces that can be put together to get you know the different things in the dimensions that you want so 3D printing has enabled us to create uh, warjacks that will have customizable arms um, and heads. So you'll be able to change the loadout between games. Um, the uh, you just add these little magnets um, into the the pre-configured sockets, mm -hmm. and then you're you're hot swapping your warjacks. Um, and you know we're going to do the same thing for war beasts in the future. So you'll be able to customize those yeah. guys too. Um, and so that's a that's a super exciting feature of the the new addition that it's something that we've always kind of been chasing um, is the ability to kind of do that. And now we're finally able to do it the, you know, the, in a way that is going to be easier, easy for people to, um, to implement with models, no drilling or, you know, complicated yeah. um, hobby necessary. You just be able to, you know, put the magnets in and, and uh, away you go. So I'm sure I missed something in there. There's a lot of things that, that, you know, we're, we're doing with the app that we'll be talking about more in the future. Um, I can't yeah. wait till we're able to show that off because there's a lot of features that we're building into it that 
um, that are unlike uh, anything we've done before. So it's not it's not just War Room. Um, it's uh, it's beyond that. It'll have um, you know a lot of I think features that allow or that enable a smoother play experience. Um, nice. And uh, you know, and and then there's always the the background lore. We've um, we've sort of taken the opportunity with Mark IV to to do a a sort of storyline reset, um, so that if you're an existing player, somebody who's followed the lore for a long time, you're going to appreciate you know the evolution of the setting. And if you are brand new to the game, um, it's a great starting point, and you don't have to know the previous 20 years worth of lore in order to understand who the characters are that you're playing with, or, you know, yeah. what the, what the storyline is that that's going on. We sort of, and this is, this has been something that has been, you know, in the works for a long time. It wasn't a very spontaneous decision that we decided to do, um, make one of the new, uh, factions and armies, the Orgoth. Um, we wanted to, to bring them back for quite a while. And we wrapped up our, our previous storyline, um, with uh with this huge infernal invasion that was like a total apocalypse for the iron kingdoms and now we're <clears throat> moving a few years several years into the future um after that event and and taking up a new storyline with the return of the orgot and so it's it's just a it's a great like you know uh starting starting point yeah no that's great you i think you touched on like a lot of the things that like us nerds have been talking about, you know, in the game store and on our, in our discord servers and with one another. And so um, I, I want to just kind of go back over a couple of them and, sure. and, and maybe add some. So you said, you said return to the roots and um, you know, I'm actually not an OG war machine player. I actually didn't start until Mark three. I was, you know, in the store and there was this nice display of all these battle boxes. And and one of my friends happened to be at the store and he played and and he's an OG War Machine player. And I was like, if I buy this box, you'll teach me. He goes, oh, yeah. And he did. He, he, was, he was true. That's how I got started. Um, but um, but one of the things I do remember in the beginning of Mark three was there were fewer models on the table. And, and towards the end of Mark three with, it, it, you know, with the implementation of the themes and all the requisition points and stuff, there seemed like a lot more models on the table. Mm -hmm. And, and so when you say that we could play 50 points with, a, you know, with 22 models, that, that, that brings, that makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was a, um, a big part of the, the new edition is, uh, making sure that we're supporting multiple game sizes um, yeah. and, and that the, that, you know, massive hundred point games are not the, you know, quote unquote way to play. Right. It's yeah. not like, that's not, that should not be the assumption. Um, yeah. It's a way to play, it's a but, a way not, play but not the way. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, and we definitely have seen over the past few years that sort of fatigue um, that, occurs when you're playing, you know, one massive game after another. We know that people want to be able to go, you know, to their their game store or their club and um, and get a few games in in an evening rather than just one long um, yeah. game. And so so we want to make sure that that is reinforced in uh, the way the game is is presented. Um, yeah. We are we are going to be doing things, you know, with the new Steamroller where we'll have um, an escalation format with small, medium and large games, you know, all all in the same tournament. Very nice, but, but also make sure that that there are um, 
formats that are, you know, just 50 point games, right? So that yeah. you can have a tournament, you know, in a day instead of over a weekend or something. Um, you know, so the, that, yeah, that's a big, big part. Yeah. And the other thing about that too, is for guys like me who have, you know, what we affectionately call faction ADD, you know, that means I could, I could buy multiple army boxes and be able to play multiple armies, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, Reasonably. you know, that, that's another, um, another aspect of, of the new edition is that we're not, um, we're not doing factions anymore that are mm -hmm. um, persistently expanded. Each, each army is relatively contained, you know, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to ever say that anything is completely done because we might get an idea to add something and, and, um, oh, sure. you know, a new yeah. model type or whatever. And we would want to bring that to all of the different armies. Um, so, you know, who knows, you know, what's beyond battle engines and colossals. Maybe someday we'll figure out how to get airships on the tabletop or something. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not a hint, but it is a, an aspiration. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, and if we did, if we did crack the code on, you know, how to make stuff fly, then, uh, then we would want to bring that, to everything but for yeah. the most part um when we introduce a new army in mark four it will uh, most of it will be released within you know 10 to 12 months of of the initial release and yeah. it won't be expanded perpetually after that you know um we might have like i said if we if we add a new model type or something like that then then it would come later but um yeah but otherwise yeah and and so you know, oh boy, I wish I knew how many models were in an actual uh, army right now. It's, you know, it's in the few dozens, right? Like I said, there's about 22 models in um, a starter and another dozen or so in the expansion. So it's probably, you know, 30 to 40 models total. And, and that's, and then some of those you might want duplicates of, right? Like if yeah. you do want to play a hundred point game, probably want more than the two war jacks that come in the starter right you might want three or four um to fill or six up. or six you know if you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're an armor guy i like yeah. me yeah i love i love those <laughs> so um so so but even then right like you know we're trying to keep the number of models fairly manageable and yeah. you know and give everybody the way to the the various ways to play that they enjoy so, yeah yeah the other thing that sort of connecting to the whole idea of returning to your roots is it's still part of the story. You know, you, you said it's, you know, it's advancing a few years into the future. And so we get to see what happens on the other side of the infernal apocalypse. And, yeah. you know, and so like, so for all of us that, you know, that have, are, they're really attached to the world, um, you know, it's still going to feel and play like War Machine. Oh yeah. It's, it'll yeah. feel like War Machine. It plays like War Machine. It's, you know, it is, it's, it's the same setting and it is a continuation of, um, of the setting in every respect, you know, like yeah. I said, from, from a, um, you know, a, a continual storyline point of view, you, you don't have to know anything that's come before it, but if you do, then there's lots of, uh, lots of things that you'll, you'll see as yeah. uh, evolution or progression, um, you know, every once in a while, a character will pop up that might be a cool Easter egg or something. But, yeah. um, um, and it's and it's definitely uh, at the same time it, there is there is evolution, right? Like what we're seeing with the Signar Storm Legion, um, 
you know, they obviously bear a lot of similarity to the, the original Storm Knights, but mm -hmm. um, but their technology has moved forward, right? The Signar's uh, Warjacks are all um, powered by storm chambers rather than um, than steam engines. Um, but where the Cator Winter Corp, their, their Warjacks are still steam engines, right? So yeah. some things, you know, uh, have changed, some things haven't, but... but um, Overall, it's it's an evolution of the setting of the storyline, and we're also, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to introduce um, brand new things that haven't ever been on the tabletop, at least like the Orgoth, um, even though they were they were part of the deep lore of the setting and and have always been referenced even on the tabletop. I mean, Doom Reavers, you know, for Kador were uh, used Orgoth artifacts, right, as their their weaponry, and so that Orgoth influence has been in the setting um, for a long time, but we've never seen the actual Orgoth. So that's that's a new thing that we've gotten to introduce. And then um, one of the other uh, armies that we've announced that'll be coming out a little bit later is uh, the Dusk House Callus. And um, they're a completely new faction slash army, but they, they are also, um, Evolved might not be the right word. Risen out of the ashes of the retribution or of Ios, Ooh. right? And yes, uh, and so they have a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of visual cues, um, even some things that we may have seen in the retribution that you'll see um, in uh, in House Callus, for instance. Uh, their rank and file infantry are soulless um, uh, Iosians, um, and you know, and their warjacks when you see them. Are pretty neat they they feel like a, a sort of dark slightly twisted um evolution of of the retribution jacks and uh or the myrmidons um so they mm. they have that they they have the the feel you can see where they came from but at the same time they're very different yeah i want to um uh, the other thing you talked about was your change in in uh, production process and i want to get to that question um but I, I have a follow-up question about um, the, just the armies real quick. And then I also want to give Curtis a chance to share what he's excited about too. Um, uh, and so, uh, but the question I have is, so you are already planning future releases for new armies. And and for some of us who um, whose armies aren't readily available out, out the get-go, um, my understanding is that we are some of our legacy armies will still be able to be played. Um, and, and that's, that's true, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's a, there's a lot to, to talk about there and it, it seems that we can't talk about it too much. And I mean, in, mm. in that, like it's uh, there's a lot to unpack and, um, and it's not necessarily obvious um, what we're doing, even though as we, we tried to spell it out. Um, so let's start with, uh, the the legacy stuff. Um, the the most clear way I can put it is that Mark IV draws a hard line between the new armies and the the legacy armies. Legacy is everything that's come before the the fourth edition. Um, there there is no mingling of Mark IV miniatures with legacy miniatures. They cannot be combined in the same army or force, um, even if they are a part of the same faction. So your mm -hmm. Signar Storm Legion, right, which is a new Mark IV army, cannot be played in the same force as a um, as a legacy Signar army of any kind. Now, 
um, what we've done is in order to try and, and make sure that the players with uh, pre-existing collections still can use at least some of that in the, the new edition is we've created two arenas. Um, and one is called the, the prime arena. And this is where all Mark IV um, uh, armies exist. In general, every faction, every pre-existing legacy faction will have two playable armies in the prime arena. And those are usually okay. based around uh, a theme. And those are curated from the the from everything a faction has. And, and depending on how long it's been around, um, uh, some factions, you know, like the original Kador, Signar, Protectorate, they have just legions of models. Some are have not been around and don't have as many. And then there's others that are um, that are going to sort of break that rule. For instance, the Infernals, right? Which is, yeah. a, you know, the the newest army, right, on the tabletop, um, and not very expansive. And so, pretty much everything in the Infernal army will be playable in Mark IV. Um, and so they sort of break the two army rule. They're not getting the two armies, right? They're just going to have everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a second arena called unlimited and unlimited is, is anything goes. And eventually we will have, uh, um, converted rules for every legacy model, um, in, uh, that, that ever existed to be playable in the unlimited arena in that unlimited arena, you're not bound by any sort of um, uh, force construction rules, you know, other than your point costs, right? So, yeah, um, it, you know, you don't have to worry about a theme or anything. Um, everything in Mark, all the new armies from Mark IV can be played in the unlimited arena, um, but they still can't be combined with the the legacy armies. So it's it's kind of an everything goes arena, but the caveat there is that um, it's because it's going to have so much in it, like it's going to be very hard to balance that as opposed to the prime arena, right? Where we have a much smaller yeah. catalog of models and in the way that they are restricted or interact with each other is easier for us to balance and make, you know, a clean uh, competitive environment as well as as a more welcoming welcoming environment for folks who may not have been playing for the last few years or might be brand new to the game they don't mm -hmm. have to step into an arena where they have to know you know over 2000 models because that's what's right. going to be in in unlimited um the yeah. the other caveat there is and this is something we did differently than um than our our last edition with mark 3 is with the size of that catalog we can't we can't uh, do all the rules conversions for them and balance them before we need to release a new edition because it's years worth of work. Right. And, um, and so when we, uh, when we release the new starters and the new, um, the, the War Machine app in October, our goal is to have one legacy army for every faction um, that currently exists will be ready to play in the app. And then over the course of the next year to 16 or 18 months, we will be bringing in the second army as they get developed. And then we'll finish off with all the remaining models um, 
getting converted for the for the unlimited environment. Okay. Um, and we're we're already uh, hiring um, some additional uh, developers outside that are going to help with that conversion process, so we can try and get it done faster sooner than later. Um, because we know that that it's a long time to wait, but we feel that that's it's going to be the right way to do it and to get it you know to get closer to the the correct mark for each of these models when it comes out but we'll also yeah. we're one of the things that we're doing i think that's um that i i believe is going to help with that as well is we're building feedback tools into the the war machine app so we'll be able to um collect data and and basically um uh get feedback from players who are actually using the stuff on the tabletop and that will influence the the yeah. you know, how how those models end up getting completely baked before we call them ready yeah so so just to, as an example of what you just said and you can correct me if i'm wrong so i have a signar army and i don't have any trencher or grave diggers or whatever but i do have a fair amount of storm division stuff and so and so then the new army that will be available to play in the prime arena will be called a storm knight army storm and, Oh no no sorry sorry the well no sorry the, the new the, yeah the new name of the old models is going to be Storm Knight right. I think because I think I saw an article about that and and that'll be playable in the Prime Arena and the Unlimited Arena and then all of my models that don't fit under that new category of of Storm Knight Army are only going to be available in the Unlimited Arena in the future when they're when they're ready so um, is that Correct. right. Yeah. yeah. So all yeah. the other themes that all the other theme yeah. forces I had would, yeah, those, the, okay. That's, yeah. that's fine. I mean, that means, cause that means I'm ready to step into Mark four and I have something to play right away, yep. you know, while I build and paint my new storm Legion Mark. Cause you know, I'm going to go there too. Storm now, right? <laughs> I'm going to have storm night and storm Legion. I'm going to all the storm, um, more lightning please. And yep. then, um, and then you said that some of the smaller ones, if I remember, so uh, are going to just get ported right in. So I happen to have a Cephalix army. And yeah, so I think I, I, yeah, I, I think I saw that, certain, you know, but uh, I think, I mean, we're definitely going to have a Cephalix army and it probably yeah. include most of what's in there. You know, the yeah. smaller, more contained armies like Crucible Guard, um, even uh, the Convergence of Cirrus, right? Most, mm -hmm. if not all of those models will end up playable in the in the prime arena because they're you know they're they're a much more manageable size yeah. the, the the purpose you know for doing all this i mean it's it's uh multifaceted but um the biggest issue that we had to address in in the new edition was the sheer size of the catalog right yeah and, yeah. and it's um it it's it's sheer mass uh created challenges you know up and down the the entire sort of uh, existence of the game, not just in gameplay, but in how it's carried by retailers and distributors, by how we continue to stock it or keep it in stock. Um, and and so it was it was a necessary sort of reset. You know, at the same time, we, um, we have a lot of love and respect for everybody who's been playing, whether they've been playing for a year or 20. And, and right. so we don't wanna just leave all of that behind, but, but there is a, um, there is a practicality that we have to address with yeah. the sheer number of models that are that are available to everybody. Yeah. So 
Curtis, Convergence is going to be playable. Does that make you happy? <laughs> it does. I mean, after especially after I had to to track down some of the the hover jacks, which I can't remember. It's like the monitors and so forth. I literally think I bought the last two on the internet. I ordered <laughs> them from Australia. Twenty dollars shipping. It took God. two weeks, but I have a full army. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, what is one of the things that you're excited about, uh, Mark? For uh, Curtis. Uh, it's, I guess the change, the biggest change to help me is that I'm one of the people that suffers from analysis paralysis at playing such a high level game. Yeah. But the thing is that the people in our community, I can only speak for the Portland area, but the, uh, the people in our community are some of the best people I know. Like the yeah. reason I want to play is because of them. Yeah. And so it's been a challenge to try and learn the game at a high level and at times I get kind of, you know, completely lost because I play against some people that have been playing for 15 years. And so then it's like, oh, it's easy. It's no big deal. But I, I think with this, taking away some of the the finer details out of it, I think while it's probably going to hurt the people that are the highest level competitive players, I think for people like me that are, I'll, I'll just say I'm still trying to learn the game get into it i think it's going to help a lot more people get into it and i think there yeah. it seems like there's still be enough nuance to the game that i think people will still consider it a highly competitive game oh yeah i think no doubt i think so too i the, i mean we're yeah. we're not trying to make it into something that that isn't competitive right um the, you right. Know, we've always had a fairly uh we've always looked at war machine as being an aggressive game and as well something that the rewards um you know uh your that that rewards your experience with it the time you put into it you know you it's it's a game that you can get better at right like it by by playing it and knowing what you're you're working with at the same time we know not everybody wants to you know be sweating while they're playing right like i personally i'm not we used to play you know i came up with the the hardcore mode that we <laughs> that we used to have in, um, in the first edition and I hated playing it right because it was it was so stressful um and uh and at the same time you know uh, there are people that that thrive on in in that sort of environment right where the yeah. you know that sort of intensity is um is what what gets their adrenaline up so so we want to make sure that's that's still part of it but the, um, and I, I think that although we've made some changes that hopefully make make things easier and, like I said, reduce that cognitive load on people, um, it might sound like it's going to reduce the competitive edge of the game, but I don't think it is. You know, there's little things like like removing facing from the game that you you can't even believe what a difference it makes um, until you start playing it, and that's that's not going to change. You know. That's not going to reduce somebody's competitive edge. It's, right. um, it, if anything, it's uh, it, it probably just frees up their their tactical brain space, right, for something else um, to to do. But but like yeah. that that uh, that little change, you know, um, makes the game move a little faster, makes it a yeah. little easier, and it and it takes away from those moments of like, oh man, I need I accidentally didn't have my guy facing exactly the right direction. And, you know, I'm a, I'm 15 degrees off and now I don't have line of sight to something and that those, those moments suck. So yeah. I'm trying to take those, 
the sucky moments out and yeah. uh, and just make sure that the focus is on the game and it's and it's you know it it's evolved in that direction ever since the the first edition and i think that early on we you know we created a game we put everything into it that um that we felt like needed to be part of it but it was probably several years into it maybe in into the the second edition where we sort of came to grasp with the difference between a simulation and a game and mm. um and you know when you have things like like all those fiddly aspects like facing or or you know where you're, you're trying to simulate um a re, you know the the battle environment as closely as possible those things make the gameplay cumbersome and yeah. and it gets it further away from being just an enjoyable game where um whereas you start to abstract more things you get a smoother experience and it doesn't necessarily take away the feel that it's like you know we're still waging war on the battlefield um yeah. so uh, it just makes it more fun yeah i i'm looking forward to to trying it out the facing thing was something that made me pretty happy so i was just um, glad because i got tk'd enough times that i'm like yeah. wait you're moving my model and you're turning him around that's just double rude <laughs> <laughs> yep um the other thing that you mentioned at the get-go was uh changing the um, production process and and you had talked about moving to 3d printing and stuff and and i know that a lot has been said about that i have a different kind of question about that and and so does that mean that there's some space there for you to begin uh 3d printing um like terrain and sure. and, and and like theme stuff to make to make beautiful boards that we can game yes. on like yep. yeah definitely that's uh um we don't have anything to show in in that area yet but it's something that could be we will be working on yes for certain that makes me very happy um i think i think some eagle-eyed uh fan noticed in the rules that there was something about walkways or something or or, mm. or, or, or I don't remember what it, am I not was it a bridge? I don't remember, but uh, we, we discussed it a couple weeks ago on the Discord. I saw, but, um, um, but I just that just made me happy because I was like, oh, then that means that there could be, you know, uh, there could be more here for you sure. know, for us. So, I mean, I've got my I've got my Signar themed, you know, mouse pad stuff, and you know, <laughs> and and I I'm gonna rock that, but you know, for now, but I would love to be able to, you know. Put something on top of that and yeah well we we would too um we would like to do that and i i think as you see more uh content released for for the new edition over the next few months um we'll be we'll be showing off more things like that where cool. where uh, the and the approach that we're kind of taking with terrain is um is creating the rules for it in the scenarios. So it's, it's not ah. as, uh, as just, you know, random stuff on the table. It's, yeah. it, we want the, we want the terrain experience to be me as meaningful as the, you know, the models in your army. So. Yeah. So, okay. So that kind of leads me into one of my other questions about like narrative play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when oblivion box came out, I knew that I needed to get that uh, because that's something that I'm interested in. And my son and I, we started the campaign, but he didn't want to finish it, which bummed me out. But that, that's his issue, not mine. But <laughs> um, but for those of us that enjoy like the storytelling and stuff like that, so what you just said about 
does that mean that there's going to be support for that? Like, oh, like yeah. building yeah. a board and, and here's a thing you can do and this is how this scenario works and stuff? Yeah, and, um, and we're going to be able to, to uh, hardwire a lot of that right into the app. So um, mm. things like league support and, you know, other um, and narrative play and the and the app will su support that kind of thing you know uh, one of the um we've got the customization going on with the warjacks right and so you, right. you know as you build an army you'll decide what your warjack loadout looks like um and uh and whatnot but we're also we're doing other things that are you know sort of under the hood customization like um uh, giving giving warcasters uh, a customizable spell rack Right. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to choose some of the spells um, that your that your Warcaster takes and, you know, tailor your your force and your gameplay. But that also means we get to do all kinds of um, customization types of things that can support a narrative experience. Right. That can give you, you know, where uh, we could give you customization options for a unit right of veteran soldiers or something and and tweak things um and uh and when we get into character war jacks it's going to get really fun so <laughs> see my mind is like i have all these like ideas now in my brain of what we could do that makes me very happy that makes me very very happy Good. like uh you know one of the games i enjoy um is, is frostgrave you know and and you might have a scenario where it says you know you get this ability or you get this thing just that that's what i'm imagining you can you know you can customize like this like sure do yeah. the same thing with war machine and yeah. that would be like amazing i wouldn't need frostgrave anymore <laughs> <laughs> um oh boy i really i really like that um one of the things i want to comment on just it's just a side this is this is more just this is a me thing um you guys are stretching me as a hobbyist like more than more than like ever like outside of war machine i never really used an app you know and so i had to get pretty used to using you know war room and everything and now i'm gonna have to you know get you do a new app and then it wasn't until and um you know warcaster that i even thought about playing with magnets um because you know i was the kind of guy that i bought uh multiple copies of the chassis and just glued them all on so i had you know all the i had to you know, and we appreciate that too so <laughs> oh you're, you're welcome and it was just you know i just and so now you're gonna ask me to play with magnets and you know and play with a new app and and so uh thank you for stretching me as a hobbyist <laughs> <laughs> just adding adding dimension adding dimensions yeah but but my understanding is um is that is that you're going to include magnets with the kits and everything and so that's a, there's a little bit of a change that's oh, occurred okay. in the last couple of weeks but um but it's not it, it's not a uh a disaster or anything mm -hmm. we we found out um a little bit to our surprise that outside of the united states um many countries prohibit the inclusion of uh small high-powered magnets in uh, toys and model kits because they can pose a hazard to children um if they swallow oh. them the magnets can get stuck together and um and uh, stick their intestines together it's awful so um and so uh we needed to we we did some real quick research and in fact this this was uh the case in the u.s up until um several years ago uh, apparently and 
So what we've done is we've taken the magnets out of the kits and we're supplying them separately in, um, in their own little containers. And, um, and when retailers or distributors buy them, we'll, we'll work with them so that they're buying the, you know, a starter mm -hmm. along with the, the magnet kit and the magnet kit has all the magnets in it that you need to, to, um, to magnetize your war jacks. Okay. And starter. So it's, it's a, it's sort of a weird workaround, but it lets us still supply the magnets alongside the, the kit. So you don't have to order them anywhere else. You don't have to worry about what the sizes are. If you're going to, if you've got the right sizes, because we actually, we're using two different um, sizes of uh, disc magnets in these kits. Um, or, and you don't have to worry about if you got the right number of them, right? It's all yeah. by the mag. It's, you know, a little file of, of magnets. Um, and we, we adjusted the, um, the pricing as well on the starter so that it's, we basically just took the magnet cost out of the starter. That's the price of the magnet kit. The starter price was reduced by that amount. Oh, so, okay. Okay. so it doesn't, it, from a, from a user point of view, it shouldn't change anything, but it does allow us to add a layer of, of safety and precaution in there yeah. and avoid any, um, unfortunate accidents but we do yeah. really want people to know that that you don't want to leave magnets laying around for you know where where kids or animals can can get them because they can't yeah. be very dangerous yeah so. yeah no that's a good call it's, and i had never heard of that and so um, it was it was news to yeah. us too um so wow. we found out uh um just just right after we got back from gen con yeah right on um so yeah, so we've been talking about this this big transition, and you know, and and like the whole world is sort of coming out of a big transition, mm -hmm. and so I I want to ask about some other things that used to exist or maybe still exist, and want to know if they're going to continue to exist, and so I want to ask about lock and load. I want to ask about mini crate, you know, those kinds of things. Are um, are, are we going to be able to? First of all, do you have plans to con let's start with mini crate? Do you have plans to continue mini crate? And and if so, what you know, what what should we expect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, mini crate is is going to continue without skipping a beat. Um, right on. And uh, and but what we've done is uh, I think I think starting with the one that we just put up over the weekend. Um, we previewed the the VIP model um, a couple weeks ago on Primecast Plus. The the OG Orgoth. Um, That's right. I saw that. A, a little, okay. uh, a little ode to everyone who didn't think that the the new Orgasi Raiders had enough faces on them. So we went <laughs> right back to the original artwork, and that's what the uh, um, the miniature is based on. It's a it's a variant that can be swapped out for one of the um, commander solos. Um, what we're doing going forward is making sure that that all of the mini crate models that come out will be either. Um, variants on models that are new mark four models or our variants on models that are in legacy prime prime legacy armies right oh, so right on. um so that allows us to still create some uh you know um models that that are celebrating the the legacy armies um but everything will be useful so um Nothing, nothing will be released through mini crate that will ever like not yeah. have prime rules. And is mini crate going to be going through the same printing process as the rest of the models now or? 
Eventually, um, and okay. probably probably sooner than later for Minicrete because it's you know the those models are going to be um, used with Mark IV. So um, eventually, everything that we're doing will be will be converted to three uh, D printed resin, okay. um, and that's a that's just our where we're going with our our production process out of you know a variety of, of practical reasons that include the skyrocketing cost of metal and uh, the, the overseas um, uh, production issues. The cost of shipping is is insane. You know, just yeah. as a little anecdote, I'm ordering these, um, these bottles, the safety bottles that we put the magnets in. And um, we, we got a quote from a vendor and we're gonna order like 10,000 of these bottles right away and uh the the quote for the bottles was like six hundred dollars to ship them from overseas um the cost to ship them was two thousand dollars so over three times you know the cost of the actual goods which is just insane so we we went a different way and we found a, a domestic <laughs> vendor that we can work with that is where the the bottle price is higher but we're not paying nearly as much shipping. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and we don't have to wait as long to get it. So, um, so that's again, just part of the reason that we've, the, we've embraced the, the 3d printed uh, production process is it lets us um, avoid, you know, a lot of those, those hassles yeah. of uh, obtaining things or making things overseas. We still will do some things overseas, right? We still, you know, we work with the, yeah a printer for our RPG books that we, that we really love and have been working with for a long time and we'll continue to, to do that. But, but the world has changed in, in fundamental ways over the past couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, everything from the pandemic to wars and all these things that are influencing um, the, the cost of goods and the cost to get goods from point A to point B. And, and we're um, trying to, to adapt with those times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question I wanted to ask was, was about, um, lock and load. Um, you know, you talk about the world changing and mm -hmm. I, you know, and you know, you know, that first year of the pandemics, all, you know, the conventions are being canceled and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you canceled lock and load, um, two, two years in a row. Yes. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, is that, is that coming back? I say I, I, <laughs> I my, my honest answer is I don't know. Um, okay. and right now it's it's not something that we are planning for. We would love to bring it back hmm. um, because we love that event. It was everybody, you know, at Privateer. It was their their favorite event. It was something that, yeah. that everybody was involved in and um and we we planned all year for it and and we always had a great time because we got to spend all of our time with everybody playing the game, get to play the games with them. Um, the last one we had, I was the first time that I really introduced uh, my own son to painting miniatures. We'd done a little bit at, at home, but um, but when he saw other people doing it, there was something different and it kind of clicked. And so we spent a lot of time in the um, in the hobby lounge and everything. Yeah. And, and so we definitely miss it. Um, at the same time with the way things have changed and, you know, new processes, new additions of the game. We've really been focused on other things. And so planning the logistics of, of a, a 
you know, a complicated event like that have not been part of what we're doing. I, we don't even know at this point what it would look like to, to try and get the space that we used to have or, or whatnot, but that'll be our next process and something that I think that once we get through, um, the next few months and, and relaunching, um, the new edition, we'll start looking into the feasibility of, um, of bringing lock and load back. I, it will probably be too late to, to have it in 2023, yeah. um, because usually you like when in the past we would, we would book that space out immediately after the, yeah, the, the year before or current event, right. Yeah. So, so we, you know, usually you're, you're making those plans about a year in advance. Um, and we're, we're not at the point yet where we have been doing the research on what it's going to take to, to get back to that. But I know that we want to. So I, and I think that now that we're getting back into the, the swing of, um, being at events. I mean, this is, uh, Gen Con this year, I think was the second live event that we've done, maybe third this year. Cause we had Adepticon and there might have mm-hmm. been one other one, I think. Um, but you know, it was, it was our first Gen Con back in three years. So, yeah. um, so we're, we're slowly reacclimating to this, the, the new world. And, uh, and I would like to think that we'll eventually get back to lock and load. So right on, right on. Yeah. I've got a, you know, Curtis, I've got a few more questions that are kind of more personal or non war machine related and, and just wanted to, or just kind of general, just want to, do you have any questions for Matt before we kind of shift gears to that or. You're not going to ask him what type of underwear he wears, are you? Because that's no. Your first <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't see me from the chest down, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I have like a, a laundry list of questions, but fortunately, this has been going along. A lot of them get knocked off, but I think some of them. I'll, I'll just ask you, like, one of the ones that is coming up on the community's, you know, I would say out of the route that's typed, but. Uh, when are we going to see a preview for desk models? Because there's a whole bunch of people that are just like, I want to see them. They're going to be badass, aren't they? Oh, I hope they don't suck. Like nobody <laughs> has the idea what it's going to look like. Well, I think there's a lot of people that are, are curious. So have I mean, a, maybe a time frame of when we're going to see our first little sneak peek. Um, I, I think we're going to probably wait until a November or maybe even early December. Um, and this is, and and part of that is, uh, I'd love to be able to show the stuff along the way as we as we do it. But what we've learned is, you know, if we show you a warjack right now or a warcaster, and it's unpainted and um, and you don't see it in the context of everything else, right? It 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 will. I mean, no matter what, even when we show a whole army at once, it's going to be a mixed reaction. But yeah. if we don't show it in a broader context, then usually the loud voices go directly to the most negative conclusion that they can yeah. draw around what they're seeing. And so the, it's better for us to just not show it until it's ready. That's what we did with, um, you know, with, with the Orgoth, uh, even though we announced them um, quite a ways before we ever showed anything. And to be honest, it, it was longer um, than I had expected or hoped for before we were ready. But I think it was, it was definitely worth it for us to take the time and, um, and unveil that army with, you know, a, a pretty large percentage of the, the models finished, 
painted, you know, and presented in their in their best possible light. And even then, right? It's you know, there's no one faction out there that or one army that everybody loves. Every yeah. you know, I um, I will say that uh, every time we released a new army for War Machine and Hordes over the the past two decades, it's always gone over very very well. Um, but there's always some people that hate it, right? That, that don't want that, that, uh, flavor of chocolate in their peanut butter or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's, um, and, and that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like is, yeah. is we're, we're trying to make something for everybody, but you can't make one thing for everybody. So, um, uh, so we're, we're going to, we're going to make people wait. Um, and uh and it's not out of um uh you know trying to be torturous right it's just that we want to make sure that when we unveil them that you're getting to see them in the in the best possible light same way we did yeah. with with um with the orgoth and because they you know they are new with with the storm legion we dribbled that out a little bit more because it did have a lot of familiarity to it and so we didn't feel like it was like um gonna blow the the mystique around them to be able to see a little bit of that before you saw all of it. But with, with the dusk um, house callus being a brand new army and yeah. a brand new faction, like there's, there's going to be a lot to see. And um, you know, are they going to be badass or are they going to disappoint people? Yes. Like both. Both, right? both. Yeah. Because yeah. again, you know, that, that's the way it's going to be. But I think that, that there's going to be a lot of people that think they're super badass and, um, and I tell about them. Um, they're neat. We haven't, we haven't done anything, uh, you know, quite like these guys. They're, um, you know, this, the mix of Eldritch and Iosians and they're, they're very dark and Gothic and moody, you know, and at the same time, they've got that evolved technology that the retribution had. And, uh, um, so they look a little bit more advanced. Um, they're neat. They're, they're, it's, uh, it's kind of, well, I'm just like, I love them. I think, I mean, from the, uh, as far as the designs go, they are my favorite designs that we've, that we've done for the wow. Mark IV. Um, and, uh, and like I said, you know, just super different than, than other mm. stuff that we've done. So I, it will be worth the wait for 60% yeah. of you. <laughs> and right for on. 40%, <laughs> you're going to be like, I'm glad I got my winter court. So. <laughs> And uh, along those lines, I, I think it's a good good idea of like when you're talking about like you can't please everybody kind of thing. When you have the, you know, 50 point, 75 point, 100 point formats, I know a lot of people might have criticized the previous edition of like, well, it's it's hard to learn scaling from a zero point army up to, you know, 75 point with the idea of coming in at 50 as your sort of like new starting level. Do you feel like there's still, I don't know, I guess it'll never be perfect, but do you feel like there's at least enough like fair play between the various like 50, 75, 100 point levels so that if you have, you can still have like the competitive 100 point or 75 point or 50 point, again, depending upon your flavor of play. Like if you're a person that's like, listen, I have an hour and a half every week that I can play. I don't have time for a 100 point game. I'd like to get in a maybe... 150 point game and if we have enough time every second 
so is there a was there a certain amount of gearing towards trying to to try and help please everybody without just saying no 100 points is where you're you're going to want to be yeah for sure i mean it's uh, we we're, yeah if i'm understanding right um we're definitely trying to make sure that there's there's a place for everyone right that, yeah. that we're not pushing uh one direction or emphasizing one direction over something else that that then leaves anybody behind right there's you know um if if you only ever play at 50 point games we you know we're gonna we're gonna be supporting that um for people who like to play those those larger games then that's that's also going to be possible and we're gonna and we're going to build that into you know our organized play um offerings into steamroller um and and everything we do and i think that you know and we're also going to try some some more uh radical stuff that with you know maybe formats that don't even necessarily fit those you know three point levels um and uh you know and in one of our first uh organized play offerings that will be rolling out right after the first of the year will be uh the the slow grow league you know in the past we've always had the journeyman league that was a great way for people to get into the game um with just that starter and uh and then kind of grow from from week to week or phase to phase however many weeks it was um and even though now you'll you know a person getting into the game would buy a starter and they'd have all 22 models you know from that starter it's still going to be easier to learn the game if they start with a warcaster and a couple of warjacks right and then yeah. um, and so we'll sort of like scaffold that that learning of of the game and how it works you know over multiple sessions and they'll have everything that they they need to grow into you know and eventually a, a 50 point game but i i think that we'll we'll probably see some fun formats too that might even be smaller right real quick kinds of matches um and it's a and something that we've done deliberately with mark four is um is made models that are more specialized for different scales than others so your warcasters that you get in the starters for instance are actually better at that smaller scale at the the 50 point scale they'll they'll tend to be um to emphasize their war jacks more for instance as opposed mm. to being large you know uh, leading large groups of infantry so the the warcasters that we uh, had in the in the preview battle groups for Gen Con are actually better at, at the larger scale games than they are the smaller scale games. Um, oh, uh, that's yeah. Because because they're not the ones that are in the starters; they're the ones that you acquire uh, later as you're you're growing your collection. And so, and we wanted to to do that also to to make sure that um, that that army that you might be playing at the 50 point level isn't necessarily the same configuration you know with just more stuff that you're going to play at higher level you're going to be playing a different um army and that's that goes back to you know we 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 don't want war machine to be a puzzle that can be solved right like it's something that you can be good at that you can aspire to but there's not like one uh force build that is gonna be great all the time or 
at every scale. Um, and then there's other things, there's other models, you know, some models just don't play well at smaller games, right? Colossals like are, um, they, they sort of break the, um, the point scale on smaller games. And so they're just not allowed in a 50 point game. Right. And in, in your larger games, you have, uh, minimum warjack requirements, right. So that, um, so, and that, that helps balance out the sort of ratios of what's on the table. So, yeah. um, so di different things like that, that we're doing to try and address the, um, the scale and the scope of, of the games at all sizes, but with a, with a deliberate methodology that I, I don't think that we've ever really considered in the past, right. Where, mm. where we know that, that at different levels, things are going to work differently. And so that's part of yeah. the This all feels really fresh. Like this, this feels really good. Good. So, good. yeah, you know, um, I was listening to, um, you know, portions of, of the episode that we had you on before and, you know, it occurred to me, like, you're kind of a, you know, a Renaissance man in wargaming, if I could say like, you know, you've got, you got a backgrounds working with RPGs and comics and collectible card games and miniatures, like, like what haven't you done? Right. And can't and dance, stuff. can't <laughs> dance. There it is. Can't dance. Um, so, uh, one of our listeners has a question and, and they know from some source out there that you happen to like movies, uh, film Dude. is one of your passions. And it so, is. um, have you, have you gotten to work on any projects either personal or in collaboration with other people recently? Is that something that's on the radar right now at all? Or yeah, yeah. Um, in uh, quite a few different things, uh, are going on. I mean, on the, um, directly hands-on uh i sort of have been putting that energy into um some of the like small animated projects that we've done um the last yeah. one that i did was our uh a uh a kickstarter video for warcaster where i got mm -hmm. to go back and um work with my animator friend um and so they had done the the war machine short with me um a few several years ago i i, I don't even know how long ago it is because after COVID, I completely lost track of time or where I was in time. So it's a flat circle. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all, everything seems so far away. Um, and, uh, and then I have another project that um, I, I sold a, a script a few years ago for um, an animated feature that we're working on. Um, nice. Completely unrelated to, uh, to anything with privateer it doesn't have anything to do with games um does have monsters in it which is great because i love the monsters yeah. um but uh and that's that's something that i think it was back uh pre-covid when when we sold that and then we've been slowly putting together a team around it and and trying to get an actual uh you know turn it into a real project um but everything it in when it comes to the film business it either moves like super fast, like overnight kind of thing, or more frequently, it just takes forever. So it moves, everything moves like a glacier. Um, and, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden there'll be a little bit of progress somewhere and, and something neat will happen. And then it'll go back to being a glacier. 
until it finally gets to that point where you're in production with something and then now you're you you are deadlines deadlines <laughs> so um it's a it's a weird business but it is something that i really love i love doing i love writing um and right on. So, uh so yeah, there's a, a couple of projects there. And, and then we've got a couple of things that are um, that we're working on that actually do have to do with, uh, with Privateer. We've had Monster Apocalypse at Warner Brothers for a very, very long time. Um, and there's someday there'll be stories that I can tell about that, but um, whether or not it actually ever becomes a reality, we'll, we'll see, you know? Okay. Um, but, uh, um, and, then, and then we've got some stuff going on um, around War Machine that I think that if it gets traction, then we'll, we'll be able to talk about that in a year or so. Right so, on. These well, things maybe happen. we'll have you back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll know when the time is right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so those, that kind of stuff is always sort of going on in the background for me. So, yeah. um, but unless something significant happens, we don't usually talk about it too much because it's most of the time we're sitting around waiting. So, yeah. so I've got um, maybe one more question before we get to our last question that we always ask um, earlier in the episode, you said that there wasn't going to be a lot of print information for Mark four. Um, and I think that was in reference to cards and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and just a minute ago, you said you love writing. And so um, do you think that maybe source books or or something might be coming out in the future or um is that is that even on the radar at all yeah or, it, it's yeah. a possibility um okay so we're we'll, we'll be using the war machine app as our primary right. delivery system for lore you know uh for fiction um we've been working for for months with uh with one of our favorite authors aaron riddell um on the the first um, fiction, the first actual, like, you know, Mark four fiction. Um, and that'll, that'll go out through the app. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Now, whether or not we do printed books in the future is, is something that I think will determine based on, you know, how things go over the next, um, uh, few months with, you know, with Warcaster, we took a, a similar approach. We still had cards cause we didn't have the, the app for it. Um, but, when we released Warcaster, we knew going into it that we wanted to do a big source book for it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and eventually we did, but we wanted to, um, to give it about a year to a year and a half for us to establish the game. And then, and then really because it was a new, a new setting for us to give us time to kind of grow into the setting rather than trying to figure it all out at, you know, at the, at the forefront, um, you know, we, obviously we know a lot more about the iron kingdoms than we did about the thousand worlds at, at this stage in the development of Mark four, but, yeah. um, but in, in a similar fashion, like I, you know, we, we love books. It's just that they, they don't always necessarily appeal to everyone. And then yeah. there's always that issue of, well, if we're going to put, you know, do we put rules in the book or not? And, right. um, you know, and, and do, do people, <laughs> do people want it? You know, we did, uh, um, the Grimkin book, which is probably my favorite book that we've ever done. It has no rules in it. 
right? Like it was just the the lore and it was great. And it was a, a, a fun kind of thing, but then, you know, it didn't have rules in it. So then people were like, where are the rules? Um, but but then yeah. if you put the rules in it and then, you know, we get a typo in there, then then people are unhappy that their their book is invalidated. So we, we're not gonna create source books or we're not gonna create printed material that is meant as a gaming resource, I guess. Is yeah, something more, something more evergreen. Yeah, um, you know, uh, and I think the the Warcaster uh, Thousand Worlds book is a pretty good example, although we did end up putting the, the cards in there and then the one complaint was that we put the cards in there and they had some typos on. So, oh, um, so we should have just kept it as the uh, as the the setting resource. But um, you know, and from a from a setting book, it's it's an incredibly rich book. There's like we really tried to cover as much material as possible to establish that setting, much more than we ever put into any single War Machine book in the past. So, um, yeah. So as a as a you know introduction or as a a tour of of the setting um the thousand worlds book is very full so we might do something like that in the future with war machine and and iron kingdoms you know of course at, at currently we're still uh we've got the the new edition of the rpg going right the with yeah. the iv rules um we're just we're just finishing up our third expansion for that which will make a total of of nine books there so that's a great way to to see the setting as well, right? And especially, right. yeah. And it's a little more current in terms of um, what the world looks like, but it does exist in kind of its own bubble too. So we, when we, when we relaunched the RPG, we wanted to to give it its own space where, mm -hmm. when you're playing the Iron Kingdoms in the Requiem time frame the focus is on the the adventures that the players are are going through not necessarily on this backdrop of world war right that's sort of yeah. consuming and that was always something that that was kind of a tug of war between the rpg and war machine um in the past was when we'd we do something new with the rpg or whatever but it was always in consideration of what was going on in War Machine in that storyline, yeah. um, and and in, in some ways uh, the the miniatures game could kind of smother the RPG experience. So we wanted to separate those, and even though it's the same setting, make sure that the the focus of the RPG is is on you know adventuring in the Iron Kingdoms, not fighting the wars. And then the um, Mark IV and where we pick up the storyline there is a few years advanced beyond. Um, Beyond Requiem, not so far that things are unrecognizable, but in the in the Requiem time frame, it's pre-Orgoth invasion, and then in Mark IV, it's from the Orgoth invasion forward. Okay, that's good to get the timeline markers there. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I want to thank you for you know being on the episode with us. Um, it's all it's a treat to have you on. It really is, and and just to be able to hear about the journey of the game for us. Um, the last thing, the last question I always ask everyone is, you know, what's on your hobby table? What are you building? What are you painting? Uh, right now, I've got a little bit of Storm Legion and a little bit of Sea Raiders. <laughs> and they're, nice. uh, they're in the process of getting magnetized and glued together. And, um, and pretty soon they're going to get paint. Nice. So, 
Yeah, I ordered the uh, Storm Legion from the Gen Con preview boxes. So uh, whenever it comes in the mail, it'll be on my hobby desk. They're, they are they're shipping daily. So yeah. um, I think we started shipping uh, last week, finally. So we had to get that magnet situation under control. And then um, and we do have quite a few orders that were a lot more than we expected from the, the, the Gen Con preview. So they'll That's be shipping awesome. daily. They're, they, uh, you know, they, several hundred daily probably for the next uh few weeks that's so, awesome it was, that's good it was what, one day and you you reached your limit of what you could probably sustain before having to switch over to the yeah it was release. it was uh it's it it's i don't think there's not a really great term for it it was it was great it was a fantastic thing because it really was um uh validating right that we're that yeah what we're doing is something that, that people are responding to. And so that was, that was fantastic, but it did take us by surprise um, uh, because we had planned to have that stuff selling through. Like, I think we had originally scheduled it through Wednesday after we returned from Gen Con so that we'd have time to get back from the event and sort of like uh, make sure everything mm -hmm. was taken care of. And then, and then we could end the sale and we had to cut it off the next morning because we were looking at the orders coming in going, you know, we still have to produce everything for October as well. And, um, and so it's, it's a little scary <laughs> right now that we've got a lot to, to make. It's also great, right? Like it's, yep. you know, um, I, we've been, we've been in positions, you know, in time where we were way behind in, in what we could uh, produce and supply because demand was up and we've been in places with games where, you know, it, the demand wasn't there and I'd much rather be behind and, um, and have more to make than less. Right. But, yeah. uh, but it is still, it is, uh, something that we needed to, to curtail quickly so that it didn't end up, um, you know, preventing us from, from achieving the, the release goals that we have for this year. Yeah. So. Very good. Very good. I think it's a great note to end on sure. just, uh, the excitement that, you know, that, you know the affirmation that you that you feel uh in the team over there in private your press you know you know we're all excited about about the new to see what's going to come of it so i know i am and 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 you know i, I get excited so um <laughs> i'm yeah. right there with you trust yeah. me <laughs> so uh yeah so with that um you know i'm gonna thank our listeners for you know for being a part of this conversation and uh you know and if you want to uh, you know, check us out more. I'm sure just, you know, find us at spellstormminiatures.com. And of course, uh, you know, find out a lot of stuff going on at private press. I'm going to have some links in the show notes as well, uh, for some of the things we've talked about today. And, uh, with that, uh, happy gaming, everyone. All right. Thank you both.